The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. The Word of God this morning is found in Ephesians chapter 5, and we've been going through just a little bit at a time the book of Ephesians this summer, and we've come to the really a height where the Apostle Paul is going to give very specific instructions to to the marital relationship that has massive implications, not only for married people, but but also for all the rest of us as well. So I want to read this text with you. And if you're at home, please open up your Bibles and we're going to be following along there. If you're with us here, you can always follow along also in your bulletins. So here's what the Apostle Paul gives to us by the Holy Spirit here this morning. Wives, submit to your submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church's body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also Wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each, of, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. This is the word of the Lord. The Apostle Paul, the great inspired apostle, seems, at least to some, to go off the rails here. I mean, for the whole rest of the book of Ephesians, people love Paul. Wouldn't you agree? He's so Christ-centered, they say. He's so filled with the Spirit. He's so led by God. But then they get to this passage right here, and they think he's gone off the rails. Why, why, Why would he give such a clear teaching about the marital relationship. And it is clear. Did you hear what he said? He said some of the most provocative verses, Ephesians 5, verse 25. Wives, submit to your husbands in everything. That's pretty inclusive. (laughs) 
Not in, not in just the little things or the spiritual things. Everything. It's pretty provocative. And then he closes out the section in what I think is an even more provocative way. And he says in verse 33, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Respect is a good word for it. But it doesn't capture everything that the Apostle Paul wants to capture. The Greek really means to fear, to reverence. So wives are to be in the same relationship with their husbands that they are with Jesus. Pretty provocative. Now, as a pastor, you know, I realize this. I think you realize this, too, that if you want to know about what Christian marriage is like, then you got to go to Ephesians chapter 5. This, this is without comparison. This, this is the longest teaching that there is on marriage in the whole Bible. So when I, when I do premarital counseling with couples, this is where I start. Ephesians chapter 5. And so I start to teach, and I give the same teaching that I just gave to you, and I can tell. I can tell that some people, some husbands and some wives, they're just, they're just not buying it. But I, I gamely, I, I, I keep, I push on. Usually I just push on. And I say, it's not just the wives. It's, all, it's also the husbands. The husbands are, are to put their wives, Paul says, on an absolute pedestal. I mean, nothing comes before the wife. Nothing at all. Except for God. And we are to daily and in every moment lay our lives down for our wives. Wives are to selflessly yield and husbands are to selflessly pour themselves out for their wives in everything. But usually by the time I get to the teaching about husbands, they've tuned me out, see? And there's like this Paul that comes over the, con the, the conversation that we've been having. And I think to myself, maybe you're not ready to hear it then. I feel a little bit like Jesus on Monday, Thursday, when he said that I have much more to say to you, but you cannot bear it right now. And I wonder to myself, I, I really do. I wonder to myself, maybe they've thought that I've gone off the rails too with the great apostle. I have to tell you that, that I was tempted to take the easy way out this morning. We could have skipped it. We could have. I suppose we could have. I wonder if you would have noticed. Pastor skipped Ephesians chapter 5, verses, even though we've been going through this whole book. And i got to tell you, most Christian congregations skip it. They do. I, <laughs> there's this thing called a lectionary. I don't know if you know about it, but we've agreed as Christians, this is really across denominations, that we're going to read the same thing together. So you can walk into a Catholic church. You can walk into a Presbyterian church. You can walk into a Lutheran church. And almost every Sunday, you're going to hear the same lessons. So for this one, you know what the less faithful churches do? This is so interesting to me. They read with us the whole summer. But then they get to Ephesians 5, verses 22, what we just read, to 33. It's not in their Bibles. They skip it. It's too much for people. I've been reading along. One of the things I like to do as I preach through these books 
is read books alongside of it. I've been reading this book. It's a wonderful book by Eugene Peterson called Practicing Resurrection. And I read the chapter earlier this week, and I thought, I wonder what he's going to say. You know what he said? Nothing. He skipped it. He ducked and weaved, and he somehow managed in the 20-some pages on Ephesians chapter 5 to say nothing at all, nothing at all to have husbands and wives. And I suppose it's because he thought that if he did, he'd sell less books. It's too much. It's too much for people. I have to tell you in my experience that that, 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 has, that rings true to me. One of the, a lot of people probably don't know this about New York City, but that it is actually really hard to become an official marriage officiant here in New York City. Really hard. I mean, in, in most places and in most states, have you heard about this? People can go on the internet and they, they can become certified clergy by joining like the internet church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints or, and the spirits or something like that. And then they can marry their best friend in whatever state they want to do that. But you can't do that here in New York City. You can't. You actually have to be a real member of the clergy if you want to marry people. So sometimes people seek me out. They call me up and they say, Pastor, will you do our marriage? Well, let's, let's, I, say, I tell them, okay, let's get together and let's talk about this. And usually it's, usually it's the aspiring wife. The aspiring wife will say, okay, let's talk about the ceremony. I say, okay. So I get out our hymnal and we start going through the marriage right. Okay. And I try to not tip my hand or anything like that, but I'm thinking in the back of my head, I, I kind of know what's going to happen. here. And we get to the section about the vows. And this is what the vows say. Will you be guided by the counsel and direction God has given his word and submit to your husband as the church submits to Christ? This is what the wives are supposed to say in vows. And it's if, like, there's a blinking light on that phrase, for the husbands and the wives, because it's right there where they pause and, and they look at me and usually they'll say, Pastor, can we take that part out? Could we, could we, could we rephrase that? Would, would that be okay with you? And this is, you know me by now, you know me, like this is where I duck and weave and I obfuscate and I demur. And then finally I say something, you know, gently and evangelically and humbly I say, do you want to have a Christian marriage? And it's, it's then where, where they realize that, no, he's not going to change it. And we, we agree. We say, let's just touch base in a couple weeks and see if this is still making sense. And you know, I never hear from them again. They've answered the question, will you be guided by the counsel and direction of God's word? And the answer is, the answer is, no. We'll find a different pastor who doesn't have Ephesians chapter 5 in his Bible. That's what they say. And, you know, I think it's easy for them than it is for us. It's, they can just walk away and, 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 
and pretend like it's not in the Bible, it's not in the inspired word of God, but we can't see because we know what God has done for us. And we know that he, he's given to us an inspired and, and a word that is without error. And so we have to go deeper in, don't we? We have to go deeper in. We have to ask ourselves the question, what is it? What is it about Ephesians chapter 5 that so offends us? What, why is it that it provokes us so? I suppose you, we, could, we could give back this kind of answer. We, we, we could say, well, Pastor, isn't it obvious to you? You know, this, the Apostle Paul, with his language here, he's giving every single chauvinistic male the best, the best cover to abuse their wife that I have ever seen. And I would gently respond and say, but I've, I've sat with scores of couples. And not once, I've tell you, not once have I ever seen or heard the aspiring bride say, this guy next to me is a real jerk. He's awful. And I can tell that he's preloaded. You know, he's going to abuse me if I have to say those words. I've never met a couple like that. In fact, it's the opposite. It's the opposite, isn't it? Where the wife is saying, this guy next to me, he is, he's like the best thing since sliced bread. He, he's, the, he's the greatest gentleman that there is on the face of the earth. He would never do such a thing. And I agree that a Christian man never would. So that can't be the answer. We have to go deeper in. What is it that so provokes us? And I wonder if Eugene Peterson was spot on when he wrote this. Marriage and church are composed of relationships that are a bold assault on the individualism in both society and the church. The sin of individualism, the sin of wanting to have my own way with God, my own way with my spouse, my own way with my children. And I wonder if he's right. That we just got to have it our own way. At all times and in every place, we've got to have it our way. And not just the wives, but the husbands too, because the Apostle Paul says that, that we are to selflessly lead. In other words, she's first, not us. But who wants to do that? See? Who wants to put another person before themselves? Who wants to pour out their life for another? Except for Jesus. My little brother, he's a baby pastor in Portland, Oregon. And he lives in an interesting culture out there. And he wrote me this text not that long ago. He said, I'm feeling a little bit in disbelief this morning. Someone I've been working with a lot got served divorce papers this morning because his wife wants to be, quote, part of the movement of destabilizing the oppression of marriage. Destabilizing the oppression 
of marriage. No other reason. So we're going to get rid of the systematic oppression of marriage. Is that what marriage is? Is that when we limit ourselves, think about this. When we limit ourselves to having sex with one person for the rest of our lives, is it oppressive? When we limit ourselves and we say, you know what, I'm going home to the same person every single day, is that, is that oppression? When, when we say, you matter more to me than my own ideas, my own thoughts, my own wants, because that's how much I love you. Is that, is that oppression? You know, I thought about that. I really did that. I suppose I thought to myself, if you are your own God, and your highest value is your personal autonomy, then yes, marriage is oppression. But if your God is Jesus, and your highest, your highest value then is to gift yourself every single day to another person, not because they earned or deserved it, just because you have experienced the grace of Jesus, then it's not oppression, but love. Isn't it? I, I find it interesting that we, that we can call something that is love oppression. But really, we might say that we're not even really talking about marriage here. Are we really talking about marriage here in Ephesians chapter 5? This, this section of the Bible is, is so unique. I, hopefully you've gotten the flavor here in Ephesians chapter 5 as we've been going through this book. That this is, this is unlike any other part of the book of Ephesians. It really is. I mean, think about this. He is giving specific instructions about one type of relationship, but then... He actually talks about a different relationship even more than marriage. Isn't that true? He's talking about Christ and the church. And it's almost like he goes overboard. He, seven different times, like the perfect number, seven different times. This is what he says, as you do to the Lord. It's like he's a broken record. As Christ is the head of the church. Church, as the church submits to Christ, just as Christ loved the church in the same way husbands, just as Christ does the church. And he goes on and on. Once he even goes on for quite a while, doesn't he? And he talks about what husbands are, what Christ is to the church. He says, Christ took a bride who was undeserving, who was filthy, dirty. And what he did is he washed her clean through water and the word. He poured out his own life. He gave it on the cross and he made her holy and blameless and spotless. And then Christ brought him to himself and he married her. 
to be faithful to her forever. This is what it's like between Christ and the church. And in fact, once Paul, he gives it dead away, that he's not even really talking about marriage, is he? He's really talking about Christ and the church. Because look, he quotes from Genesis chapter 2. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, in, in verse 32, he says, this is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. So why does it need to be this way? That wives selflessly yield to their husbands and husbands selflessly lead their wives. Why does it need to be this way? And the Apostle Paul says, because this is a sacrament. Don't misunderstand me. I know we're Lutherans and all this stuff. Don't misunderstand me. Sacrament with a small s. Not a big s. It's not the Lord's Supper where we truly do eat the true body and blood of the Lord for the forgiveness of our sins. But this is a sacrament with a small s. Sacrament just means mystery. That's what Paul calls it. Sacramental mystery. In other words, what marriage is supposed to be is what we would call a fuzzy picture of Jesus and the church. Fuzzy because no marriage is perfect. But it still is a picture. See, when a little boy at home sees the father of the household watching the game, and then the wife calls out, Bobby, I need you upstairs for a second. Boom, he's up. She's more important. Little boy sees this. You know what he sees? He sees just what it's like between Christ and church. It's beautiful. When, when a little girl sees mommy and daddy, and they're having a conversation, and it's plain to everyone involved that they just don't agree. One thing's one thing, and the other thing's the other thing. And, and, yet, and yet the little girl sees that they respect each other, that they love each other. And then the little girl sees that, that they found a way, as difficult as it was, they found a way to move forward together in lockstep you know what the little girls learn? Something about Jesus in the church. This isn't, this isn't dictatorship. This isn't oppression. This isn't tyranny. This is the gifting of ourselves day after day one another. This is, this is sacramental. This is a fuzzy picture. You know, I, I spent a long time thinking about this, what this means for all kinds of different people here, and especially for myself. And maybe as I bring you through that reflection, you can think about what this means for you then. Meant for me is. This word today, to be honestly, to tell you that it's not off the rails here, not even a little bit. 
I needed to do that as a pastor. But, but more than that, I got three of them. About how a girl, she had better be sure, right? If this is the way we're going to live it out. That the man she is giving her life to loves her and loves the church. She better be sure of that. That this man understands what it means. Life up for the sake of another. She better know that. I thought about as a husband. And I have to tell you this that there are. my wife and I just can't take my eyes off. <laughs> is that okay to say? Like I look at her and my heart is beating fast. And I realize that I love her more today than I ever have. And then I ask myself, am I loving her as Christ loved the church? I want to do that back because I do love it. It's a profound mystery. No, I'm not talking about man. I'm talking about 